This bill expands upon current code protecting healthcare workers from being forced to participate in medical procedures involving an abortion and creates a broader protection based on religious beliefs and moral convictions. A bill advances, allowing medical providers to deny any service they object to for religious or morality beliefs. I oppose this bill because I care about people in my state and for the sanctity of the practice of medicine. From IPR News, this is the legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. Opponents say this could be used to easily discriminate. What if the healthcare facility decided its moral convictions only allow married women to be treated? But a senator supporting the bill says this is a matter of First Amendment rights. The very first clause of the First Amendment uh, is freedom of religion. And a bill to bring back the death penalty after nearly 60 years advances. There is a deterrent effect. Capital punishment does save lives. The proposal would be applied to convictions that involve kidnapping, sexual assault, and murder. But Democrats say if this becomes law, more capital crimes could easily be added by future legislative sessions. Because I can tell you once this death penalty would pass, we'll have a new addition to that almost every session. I'm John Pimble. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending February 24th, 2023. This bill reinstates the death penalty here in Iowa under very limited circumstances. The Senate Judiciary Committee is considering reinstating the death penalty. Iowa abolished it in 1965. Republican Senator Julian Garrett says under this proposal, it would apply if a person is convicted of three crimes. If you kidnap and rape a child, or anybody else for that matter, The penalty is life in prison. Now, if you murder the child, the victim, the penalty is life in prison. So there's really no additional penalty for murdering the child. You don't have to be very smart to understand if you have raped anybody raped a child and you let her go, she's going to report you. You're going to get prosecuted and you may go to prison for life. So you don't have to be very smart to think that, well, if I go ahead and murder her, she can't testify against me. And the penalty is still life in prison. Senator Garrett and I have been on opposite sides of this for a number of years. Democratic Senator Tony Bizzagiano engages Senator Garrett in a series of questions. Am I wrong to believe that, that all those have to be part of it? The minor, the kidnap, the rape, and murder. Under this bill, that's correct. Senator Bizzagiano, the reason that this is so narrow is we understand how difficult it is to get a bill passed in this legislature, we're narrowing it down as much as we possibly can uh, in order to try to get get a bill that uh, can receive a majority of votes in both chambers. Senator Bizzagiano says if this bill becomes a law, it will be easier for future legislative sessions to make more crimes eligible for capital punishment. This is the slippery slope, and I hate that term. But I can tell you, if we only have one crime that's going to qualify and we have a brand new death chamber, we are going to add more killings to that. 
because many murders are heinous. And so this is the first step of going down the stairs. And that's why this has to be stopped. Senator, my question to you is, what's the acceptable error rate? Democratic Senator Herman Kornbach asks Senator Garrett about wrongful convictions concerning capital crimes across the country. Senator Kornbach uses a hypothetical number in his questioning. If uh, 25% of the people we execute are actually innocent, is that an acceptable error rate? Well, Senator Kornbach, you're throwing out a hypothetical that's nowhere near reality. I'm just asking you, that was a yes or no question. Is 25% an acceptable error rate? With DNA, the chances of a mistake of the kind you're talking about have been reduced tremendously. The, The examples we hear about are people that were executed years and years ago, and we didn't have the technology then that we do now. Well, Senator, is is 10% an acceptable error rate? If one out of 10 people that we execute is actually innocent, is that acceptable to you? Those statistics are not anywhere near the reality of Senator, I'm, 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 ask, I'm asking you for your judgment as to what an acceptable error rate is. You acknowledge that errors do get made. So what is an acceptable error rate? Give us a number. I, I'm telling you that the error rates under current conditions are minuscule compared to what What they, is an what acceptable error rate, Senator? You I say we you say we make mistakes. To, tell us to, tell to us try to, tell us how often just, it's acceptable. I, I'd like to jump in here. Okay. The chair of this committee, Republican Senator Brad Zahn, encourages the senators to not interrupt each other. Senator, as I've said, you're throwing out completely unrealistic figures. I see no reason to play that game with you. I'm telling you, under current technology, the error rate is minuscule. And here here's the point with the error rate. I have a number of studies here that show that the death penalty does deter. And the conclusion is the death penalty will save innocent lives down in the future. So it's okay if we execute a few innocent people uh, along the way. if it uh, deters, which is a highly contested assertion, if it potentially deters some people, it's okay to, to execute a few people. After similar objections from other Democrats on this committee, Senator Garrett delivers his closing remarks. Well, Senator Kornbach uh, raised the typical argument that death penalty opponents raise, and that is, oh, it doesn't deter, doesn't make any difference. The issue is, Saving innocent lives, we don't know which ones, we don't know exactly how many, but these studies tell us reinstating the death penalty will save some innocent lives. And that's why, to me, the minuscule chance that we might make a mistake is more than offset by the innocent young women whose lives we can save. So with that, Mr. Chairman... I would move the bill. This bill advances from the Senate Judiciary Committee. All Democrats oppose it, as do two Republicans, Senator Lynn Evans and Jeff Taylor. There have been many attempts to reinstate the death penalty in Iowa. The furthest it came was in the 1990s, when the full House of Representatives passed a bill. This year, 
The House Judiciary Committee chair has stated a death penalty bill will not come before that chamber's committee. This is the Legislative Podcast Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. Well, discovering a gun is a dangerous situation. But whether a gun scares you or not, you should always leave it alone. Eddie Eagle is the title of a short animated film produced by the National Rifle Association. It shows a community of birds, most of which are children, talking about guns. I don't get the big deal. There's guns in my video games. Real guns aren't the same as the ones in your video game, Gary. Yeah, but... It's not the same. I, I personally like the Eddie Eagle. Democratic Representative Akeo Abdul-Sabad founded Creative Visions in the late 1990s in Des Moines. Part of the nonprofit's goals are to provide educational opportunities to help at-risk kids navigate issues like drug abuse, violence, and crime. We tested Eddie Eagle with some children, you know, some elementary children. We didn't prod the children. We let them decide on their own. But they said... If I see a gun, I'm supposed to go tell my mom, my dad. I'm supposed to go tell the parents. I'm not supposed to pick the gun up. The messaging for the Eddie Eagle Gun Safe program centers around telling kids if they find a gun to leave it alone and to tell an adult about it right away. We found guns in parks. We've had children come over to my agency and turn in a gun that they found in a bag in the park. You know, that, that's a reality now. The NRA Eddie Eagle program is the basis for a bill that would require firearm safety instruction material to be distributed in grades K through 12. The information for 6th grade and up would also include the NRA's Hunter Education course. Representative Abdul Samad is a co-sponsor of this bill and is speaking at an Education House subcommittee for its consideration. Our teachers need to be safe in school. If we look at North High... A gun was found in the locker. Teacher didn't know the gun was in the locker. Other kids knew it was in the locker. Children know the gun is in the school before the teachers do, before the principal does. But when it does, the first thing we do is attack the principal, the teachers, and administration. We have to be able to provide for our teachers, for our administrators, a vehicle to at least start the process in the school. And this is what this bill does. The responsibility to prevent gun violence should not rest on the judgment of mere children, but instead must rest on the gun owner's secure storage procedures. Temple Hyatt is a volunteer with Moms Demand Gun Action for Gun Sense in America. Hyatt opposes this bill and says any kind of messaging should be up to each district instead of a statewide school policy. Local school boards should decide which materials to use to implement in a gun safety curriculum. Uh, and no parent should have to go through the grief of losing their child to unintentional gun violence. Secure storage procedures will lower the chance of this happening, not implementing a program like Eddie the Eagle. We know that one out of every three homes in the U.S. has a firearm. Cheney Yeast, representing Blank Children's Hospital, supports this bill. Even if you personally do not hold the belief to have a gun in your home, chances are your child will go to a friend's house, their grandparents' house, another place where there is a gun available. So we need to think outside the box and figure out how to promote youth gun safety for our kids in this state. 
Melissa Peterson with the Iowa State Education Association says they are undecided on the bill, but they suggest additional programs be considered that focus on violence prevention. If it is incorporated into the school safety plan, we'd want to make sure um, that parents obviously have a large uh, role in figuring out what might be acceptable for their students. We know that parents are kind of all over the board, even if they themselves are safe gun owners, about um, children having access to some of this information. Uh, so think that should be, a, obviously, it's incorporated into the conversation related to getting their permission or at least knowing notifying them of the ability, availability of the training. As this bill is discussed, there is a draft of an amended version that would include other programs like Be Smart, a program that encourages secure gun storage. Representative Abdul Sabmad says he's more than willing to have his bill amended. This is a start, and if we look at it that way, then we can develop it from there. If we don't support this and we put it away, then my challenge is come up with something better. Bring something into the school. Let's not just say, don't do it. Come up with something better. Because I want to see our teachers have that opportunity. And I want to see our babies grow up. This bill advances from this subcommittee and is eligible to be considered by the Full House Education Committee. Welcome, everybody. This is subcommittee for Senate File 297 which is a bill related to the moral and religious beliefs of health care providers. Republican Senator Jeff Taylor heads a subcommittee for a bill that allows doctors or other medical practitioners to refuse to perform a function of their job if they believe it goes against their religious beliefs or morals. A health care provider has the right to refuse to perform, assist, or participate in, or provide a referral for the medical procedure, surgery, treatment, counseling, or prescribing, if to do so, would violate the health care provider's religious beliefs, and moral convictions. The bill prohibits discrimination for making such a choice. Senator Taylor says that includes refusing to participate in procedures like abortion. But opponents say this bill isn't limited to issues surrounding reproduction. Under this bill, it is my reading that both providers and facilities are able to reject patients for class characteristics. Keenan Crow from One Iowa says according to a national transgender discrimination survey, 20% of those that identify as transgender are turned away for medical help. Not because they needed specialty care, not because they needed gender-affirming care, but simply because of who they were. Um, That means you go in for a cold or a broken arm or anything else, and the provider outright turns you away because of who you are, not because of what you need. And that is exactly what is allowed in this bill. Um, So this is a real thing. This is really happening. And unfortunately, it's not simply happening to transgender folks. Dr. Patricia Magley practices in Leon, a small town in South Iowa. Dr. Magley says this bill allows for a broad range of services to be denied. Rural Iowans already face significant barriers to health care, and this bill would only exacerbate those discrepancies in access. A case in point, The only primary care physician in our community health center, which is the primary health care clinic in our county, uh, says he simply doesn't do birth control. If I, as a physician, held moral convictions that prevented me from treating non-white patients, this bill would make that perfectly acceptable. Perhaps my religious beliefs would prevent me from touching a male. That would be fine. 
What if the healthcare facility where I practice decided its moral convictions only allow married women to be treated? Democratic Senator Janice Weiner also says this bill is overly broad. Probably subject to constitutional challenges um, because it would be it would be very easy to say um, I don't treat blacks or I don't treat Hispanics or because that's part of my moral conviction. But Republican Senator Jeff Taylor says this bill will protect a medical staff's First Amendment rights. The very first uh, clause of the First Amendment uh, is freedom of religion. So uh, to me, that take that has to take priority. That has to be foundational. And even though uh, there's been criticism that the, the, the language of the bill may be too broad, one of the reasons, probably the main reason is uh, that that phrase that, that's being used, um, which is... Um, religious beliefs and moral convictions. I like the moral convictions language. Senator Taylor says opponents are underestimating the professionalism of medical workers. We're not going to see some of the examples, the hypothetical examples that were used. I would be very surprised that the typical healthcare provider would resort to discrimination on the basis of race or ethnicity or turn people away just because of something that they don't like. Uh, about a, an entire group of people. Um, I don't see that as happening. Senator Taylor and Republican Senator Jason Schultz sign off on this bill, allowing it to be considered by the full Senate Judiciary Committee. A deadline for bills to advance from full committees is one week away. It's known as Funnel Week. For most committees like Judiciary, if a bill doesn't come out of a full committee in either chamber by March 3rd, it's no longer viable. Committees that deal with budgets and taxes don't have this funnel deadline. This is the podcast Under the Golden Dome, where we follow some of the legislative movements every week. Script editor for this episode is IPR News Director Michael Leland. There are stories filed through the week on many subjects by IPR Statehouse reporter Katerina Sostarik, and you can read them at iowapublicradio.org. You can also read stories from the Capitol by IPR reporter Grant Gerlock. Subscribe to this podcast and check out some of our others like Here First, Talk of Iowa, and River to River. I'm John Temple. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.